Scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 24 and 1 Peter chapter 1. You can read along with me on page 6 in your bulletin. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. First Peter chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of the Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through the faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though for now a little while you may have had to suffer all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. La lectura de hoy viene de, de primero de Pedro, capítulo 1, 3 a 9, y se encuentra en página 7. Se escucha la palabra de Dios. Alabada sea Dios, Padre de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, por su gran misericordia, no ha hecho nacer de nuevo mediante la resurrección de Jesucristo, para que tengamos una esperanza viva. Y recibamos una herencia indestructible, incontaminada y inmarchitable. Tal herencia está reservada en el cielo para ustedes, a quienes el poder de Dios protege mediante la fe hasta que llegue la salvación que se ha de revelar en los últimos tiempos. Esto es para ustedes motivo de gran alegría. A pesar de que hasta ahora han tenido que sufrir diversas pruebas por un tiempo, el oro, aunque perecedero, se acresola al fuego. Así también la fe de ustedes, que vale mucho más que el oro, al ser acresolada por las pruebas, demostrará que es digna de aprobación, gloria y honor cuando Jesucristo se revele. Ustedes lo aman a pesar de no haberlo visto, y aunque no lo ven ahora, creen en él, y se alegran con un gozo indescriptible y glorioso, 
pues están obteniendo la meta de su fe, que es su salvación, la palabra de Dios. We're just going to spend a, a brief time looking at some broad themes from these passages. Brief, but we still need God's help, don't we? So let's pray. God, we pray that you would honor your son, his sacrifice, his resurrection, his name. And we pray, God, that you would send us your spirit. We need your help to hear what we need to hear from you, and we want to be changed. We know that's true for every one of us, whether we know how to say that, or even if we want to admit it to ourselves or not, we want to change. We want to grow. We want to be different. We pray that today might be a decisive day for some of us. We know you can do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone needs hope, right? And everyone needs hope, especially to make it in a broken world. We live needing reassurance that tomorrow will be a better day than today. So, for example, your football team might have been a study in futility. Haven't won a Super Bowl in a long time. Finally got a star quarterback. Tore up his knee because they left him in there too long. Any Skins fans out there? (laughs) They say he's recovering fast, but you find yourself wondering, are things going to be different this time? You know, what you're looking for is hope. Or maybe you've been waiting for a long time, waiting to find that special someone Or to get a big break, that big break in your career. Or to make progress with that deep personal flaw that you just don't seem to be able to beat. You're saying to yourself, will things ever change? What you're looking for is hope. Or maybe someone you love, someone that's dear to you is destroying themselves by their bad choices, by an addiction perhaps, and you're asking yourself maybe with tears, is it going to get better? Dear friend, what you're hungry for is hope. Or maybe you're going through a very intense period in life, financial struggles, stress at work, maybe a marriage that's starting to fall apart, chronic illness that's beating you up, A child that's wearing you out. And you're crying out, maybe out loud or maybe just in your heart. Maybe you haven't said a thing to anyone, but you're crying out. Is it going to get better? What you're looking for, dear friend, is hope. What we're all looking for is hope. Some reassurance that tomorrow might be can be, will be better than today. 
hope. And that is exactly what these opening words of 1 Peter offers us. The Apostle Peter's audience is actually getting a little beat up by life. Some religious persecution, but also some of the ordinary hardship that you and I are going through today. You might have noticed the language that Peter is using as he talks to them about the good news of Jesus. He tells them that what they have in him, through the one who was raised from the dead, they have what he calls a living hope. A living hope. And you say, is there another kind? And I'd say, and I think Peter would say, yeah, there is. He might call it something like a dead hope, which is normally the kind of hope that we try to cling to. See, when we say hope, normally all we mean is wishful thinking. I hope tomorrow might be better, but there's nothing you can do about it. You certainly desire that tomorrow might be better, a little less painful, a little brighter, a little stronger. But all you're doing is wishing And that's it. It's a dead hope. A hope that's out of your power. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. A hope that can't really touch your life, can't really give you strength, can't really motivate you to love, not certainly in a way where it calls you to lay down your life, maybe even die for someone. It's a dead hope. Powerless hope. When Peter talks about hope here, he's talking about something different He's talking about looking forward to something with confidence. Not just wishful thinking. He's talking about an eager, reassured, meaty anticipation of something that's yet to come. A sure hope, a confident hope, a vibrant and dynamic hope that changes you, that gives life, that actually impacts real life, daily life. A living hope. A living hope that Peter says comes to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is this living hope? Break it down quickly and then we're done. First, a living hope is the hope of new life. The hope of new life. Paula and I are preparing for a new addition to the family, new life that's on its way. And we are excited finding out the gender this coming week of this baby boy or girl. And you don't understand what a big deal this is. If you've been here for more than, how old is Elena? For a little bit more than two years, you understand that this baby naming thing and baby gender thing is a big deal in our household because last time around, long story short, we did not find the gender of the child, but for some reason we're totally convinced that we were having a boy. Totally convinced. My dad, my dad, the ultimate rationalist, still can't understand how we led ourselves to believe this. He says, It was a 50-50 chance, wasn't it? (laughs) It was just that simple, right? If you know my dad, you know you can hear him saying that. We didn't know. We thought it was a boy. It turned out to be a girl. A wonderful surprise. Klaus gave Elena a little uh, African name from his tradition, his tongue, and it's Shamiso, meaning surprise. 
because we were surprised. A lot of joy, a lot of adventure, a new life, a new birth on the way. And Peter talks about the spiritual transformation that Jesus brings about with similar language. The metaphor of new birth. Verse 3, he says in great, his great mercy, God's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. You see, God doesn't just come down to give you a little bit of advice to help you handle life a little bit more efficiently. Or just a little bit more painlessly. God doesn't just give you morality or philosophy to make you feel better about yourself. God makes dead people live. God gives power in life to those who cannot save themselves, cannot help themselves, cannot change themselves. He gives you new life by the power of the resurrection of Jesus. In other words, if you embrace Jesus and you bank your life on him, when he rose from the dead, you rose from the dead. Hallelujah. When he rose from the dead, you rose from the dead, which means the resurrection for you can be a day of a new beginning. Some of you are living and have been living with your life, you know, on a bad track, heading over a cliff. Maybe you've been making wrong choices. Maybe your life on the outside looks great, but you are torn up with guilt or shame or destructive decisions in your life. Jesus offers you a fresh start, a new life. He forgives your sins. You don't have to be afraid of standing before God with your selfish life on the day of judgment. Jesus took judgment for you, the judgment that I deserve on the cross and rose again with victory over the judgment of God. The resurrection is power to give you a whole new life, which includes the power to change and grow, to actually beat those things in your life that are overcoming you. Some of us need this hope today. But it's not just hope for us personally, but actually for every part of life throughout the whole world. You notice the perspective of Peter is not just in the present, but the long-range future because of the resurrection. At the end of verse 5, you see he says, the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in verse 7, he refers to when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's coming back. In verse 8, you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. See, Peter is preoccupied with this idea. That when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't just come back to life. He started a whole new renewed version of life as we know it. Perfected life, not just spiritually, but even physically. As he took upon himself a perfect physical human body. And God sent a shockwave of newness into every sphere of life, relationships and art and school and business and fun and rest and everywhere we go. A shockwave of resurrection, which one day he will consummate and complete when he comes back. And he's going to make all things new. 
and take everything that's dead or dirty or decaying or dying. On that day, God will give it life and God will make it new. You got dead relationships today. You know what? You got hope. Because if you're in Jesus, God's going to raise it up. You got a broken body. It ain't working right. Maybe it hurts every day. All of us have dying bodies in one way or another. The day he comes back, God's going to destroy death. That's what the resurrection is. The beginning of God's victory over death. He's going to take your bodies. If you're in Jesus, God's going to raise it up. Dying school systems. Broken neighborhoods. Injustice. Economic systems that flow in the wrong directions. People that aren't able to communicate. People that are strangers and don't care. Racial tension, all these ways in which our relationships and our lives and our neighborhood, in fact, are dead or decaying or dying. Dear friends, there's good news. There's hope. Jesus is coming back. He's going to raise it all up. He's going to give it life. Do you need that hope? That hope for you in your work to know that your work is lasting work that God cares about. To know that the ways in which you see brokenness in life, either in here or in here or out there, God ain't going to leave it that way. He's on a mission and he's going to restore all things and make it new and raise it all up. That's some hope for you. Living hope is a hope of new life. A living hope is the hope of real power. Real power. Yesterday at our neighborhood Easter party, I was helping out, setting up some of the sound equipment, not knowing what I was doing, but still trying to help out, tracing along the power. It wasn't working for a long time. Noticed along the way the extension cords that came and came to a power strip and spread out in all different directions. I don't even know what it was powering over here. Was it the popcorn machine? Charcoal grill don't need power. It wasn't that. Lots of different lines going into there. I thought to myself, are we going to make it? We got enough juice. We're asking for a lot of power. A lot of us, maybe all of us, are going through stuff that if something's going to change, it's going to require a lot of power. Not just something you can snap your fingers at or just wish into existence or into change and transformation. Something that requires power. You see, we talked about a dead hope and this is the way it often sounds. We say things like, well, I hope I can actually get that job or make a living. I hope I might be able to get married or have a relationship that's actually healthy. I hope I might feel better soon. I hope it doesn't rain too much today. I hope it gets warmer soon. I hope spring comes. I hope my children stay safe. I hope I can find roommates that I can connect with. You see, but all of those are more or less dead hopes. Why? 
you don't have power to do anything about it. You have desires, you have longings. But dear friends, you got no hope, no real hope, no living hope, unless you have power to effect change. And only God has that. And only God gives it to you in Jesus. Different part of the New Testament tells us that the very same power, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. How many extension cords does that take? How many popcorn machines and little speakers is that worth? To raise a dead body back to life. More than that, to renew it and restore it to a heavenly body. How much power do you need? Use your imagination. We're told, if you have Jesus, you have the very same power today. Living in you. Available to you. The resurrection of Jesus, dear friends, means that nothing is impossible with God. Not in your life. Not in this church. Not in this neighborhood. You see, man, you say, man, it's just too hard. There's no way. It's too hard. There's no way God can forgive me. All the things that I have done, the ways I've screwed up, and the ways that I know in the deep recesses of my heart that I kind of still want to screw up. No way he can forgive me. Come on now. Jesus is raised from the dead. He can do it. He can give you power. And he can raise you too. You say, it's too hard to change. I've tried. This deep personal flaw, or maybe a habit or an addiction I can't kick. I'm not saying it's simple. I'm not saying it happens overnight. But come on now. You've got the power of the resurrection if you're in Jesus. Nothing is impossible for God. You say it's too hard for this neighborhood to change in the way that we're hoping it might. Not in superficial ways, just more Starbucks or cool cafes. Not that that's a bad thing now. But poverty. How's that going to change? Gentrification. That actually helps all people in the neighborhood. As resources and amenities flow in. Or racial reconciliation in a neighborhood that's full of many different kinds of people. But people that keep to themselves and to their own kind. Or you say it's too hard for the local economy to actually be just. Housing prices going out the roof. Or spiritual vitality of the neighborhood. Or maybe something as simple as people who don't know each other that actually look up and say hello. That's too hard. Dear friends, we have the power of the resurrection. We got all of them extension cords and more. Jesus is alive. He can make this neighborhood alive too. Do you believe it? In other words, what I want to call you to is this simple thing. Some of you are ready to give up. Some of you are clinging to a dead hope. And you've concluded it doesn't work. 
and you're ready to throw in the towel and give up on change or a better tomorrow. The resurrection of Jesus calls you and says, don't give up. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Lastly and quickly, a living hope is strength while hurting. Strength while hurting. We've already touched on this a number of times, but such a dominant theme in this passage in First Peter that got to touch on it briefly again. How many times the Apostle Peter talks about the trials and the grief and the hardship and the fears of the people that he's addressing and reminding them that they have security in Jesus, an inheritance, a salvation that doesn't decay or perish or fade like so many other things in life do. That when we anchor those things, anchor our hope into those things, whether if it's our money or the fickleness of human relationships or upon degrees and human accomplishments or just wishful thinking, it's a dead hope. But if you anchor yourself into the resurrection of Jesus, you can know that none of your suffering is ever in vain. None of your pain is ever lost on God. What are you going through today where you feel like God has abandoned me? God has forgotten me. And this is for nothing. This stuff that I'm going through now. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that whether if it's temporary pain or long term pain or pain that even results in death itself. The resurrection of Jesus is a story of a God who himself suffered grief and redeemed grief. And he could redeem your grief as well. It doesn't mean that we always understand all that God is doing here and now. Peter tells us it does refine our faith. Our trials and hardship teaches us to trust in God. But we don't always know what God is up to, do we? And Peter says, but you have hope because one day you will. And none of it is lost on God. None of it is lost on him. Dear friends, have you given up on hope? And how good is your hope? Do you have resurrection hope? Would you like it? Would you like to be renewed in it? This is the hope of Easter, the hope of the risen Christ. Let's pray. God, we even need your help now to not let these words of yours pass through our minds and hearts, leaving us untouched. But we continue to pray that you would expose in us some area where we are giving up. Or some area of life where it hurts so bad that we don't feel like there's a better future ahead. Or where we're so overwhelmed with deadness, we can't believe that there might be real life. Show it to us and then apply the hope of the resurrection of Jesus to us. We're looking for you. We're longing for you. We're hoping for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to take communion now. Normally in our full service, we'll have a little bit of Q&A, a time to discuss and digest a little bit. Come back next week if you'd like to be a part of that.
If I'm going to turn us to communion, which is a way for us to engage the, the physical nature of our faith. Uh, the body of Jesus given to us through bread and wine, his blood, the story of his sacrifice and his life and his victory given to us through a symbolic meal. Jesus says, I'm really here. I'm really present. I really will feed you if you feed on me with faith. So if you've embraced Jesus as your ultimate hope, risen from the dead, I want to invite you to come forward. If you decide not to come, maybe because you're still processing things, there are wonderful ways for you to still engage, to ponder, reflect. You can jot down notes. You can use some of the prayers in your bulletin.